0: Well, hey, good morning church family. Man, it is good to be with you guys as we just uh, continue uh, our time of of worshiping together as we gather together to Uh, Proclaim the name of Jesus and to recognize who He is in our lives as we continue to worship, as we open His Word and stand in awe of who He is. It is good uh, to be gathered together as the people of God. Uh, We've been walking through uh, the book of Philippians, and Philippians is just this incredible book in the Bible in the New Testament that was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in a city called Philippi. Uh, This city was a Roman colony. And uh, Philippi was built specifically uh, for people who were loyal to Rome uh, to be able to retire there and for Rome to be able to repay those people for their loyalty and for their service. So these were former military uh, people who fought for Rome on the front lines as Rome was conquering the, uh, the, the known world at that time. These were people who were in uh city or uh, or the, the government, uh, uh, and, they, and they were really loyal to Rome. They gave their lives uh, to Rome. These were people who were uh, perhaps wealthy merchants who, who made great deals with the Roman Empire to further the cause of Rome. And Philip, Philippi was this place that they landed uh, kind of in retirement where Rome would give lands uh, and estates so that people could really just kind of enjoy the rest of their years. And it was kind of a a picture for the rest of the empire of if you're loyal to Rome and you live our way of life and you promote the common good, you you too could experience kind of having made it, right? Uh, and, And so Paul is writing this letter to this church of Jesus followers who are in the midst of that environment where people are very loyal to Caesar, very loyal to Rome, and these people are saying, "Actually, there is this other Lord. Uh, he's the only Lord, and his name is Jesus." Which, as you can imagine, was not the most popular message in that cultural context, in that environment, right? And Paul is writing this letter in that in that uh, vein to, to encourage those people in the Philippian church who had recognized that yes, Jesus is Lord. And even though from a Roman perspective, all of their neighbors and friends, people they knew in their community who didn't yet know Jesus as Savior, these people had kind of arrived in so many ways from a cultural perspective. And yet the Philippians are saying, but there's so much more there's so much more to this life than the Roman Empire. There's so much uh, more to this life than, than arriving from a cultural perspective. There's, there's this King of Kings and this Lord of Lords named Jesus who came and lived and died and resurrected from the dead for our salvation. And he's offering us eternal life if we put our trust and faith in him. That is what the Philippians were called to, to preach and share and proclaim in the midst of a culture that said, Rome is enough for us. Rome is good enough. Caesar is good enough. Uh, We've been well taken care of and we have arrived. And in our cultural context, we have our own kind of measuring sticks for what it means to arrive, right? We have the American dream where we all end up with a white picket fence and 2.3 children, right? Uh, And then ultimately grandchildren that we can then give back. Uh, to their parents after having some fun with them. Like that's our cultural context of of kind of what the American dream is. And, And it continues to morph and shape as our, culture values different things that that you've arrived when you finally have independence and you can make your own choices and your own decisions and you're unfettered uh, by anyone else and I do me and you do you and that's what it means to arrive in our cultural context. We have so many of these things that we value and here we are in uh, central Florida in an environment where I don't know if you've noticed this but a few people have retired here. Uh, I grew up in Lake County, Florida, where it's like that is the vast majority of people in Tavares, Mount Dora, Eustis. That area is where I grew up, and uh, it was a noticeable difference when uh, when winter rolled around uh, because all of these people would show up, and you're like, "Oh, hello! You live here too? Oh, okay, great!" And they were called snowbirds, and and Florida is just kind of that retirement area where we don't have a state income tax, and so people move here, and and uh, many of you may have moved here for some of those very reasons, and. Uh, in our cultural climate, in our cultural context, we have these ideas for what it means to kind of finish out life well and to run our race well from an American perspective. And here Philippians is written 2,000 years ago, and it's astonishingly valid for our lives today because in the midst of our cultural climate, in the midst of the place where we live in Florida, which is a retirement area uh, in the United States, where people at the end of their lives kind of settle down and enjoy their golden years, here we sit in this environment and we're saying as followers of Jesus, there's more, amen? Amen. Okay, because I thought for a moment I was alone in this and I was gonna feel very awkward for the next 30 minutes of of all of our lives together, right? But there's so much more. There's so much more than the 2.3 kids or the white picket fence. There's so much more than the nest egg. There's so much more than the uh, 4% drawdown until we die. Like there's so much more than the pursuits that we often are tangled up with in this daily life, all all of our to-do lists and our checklists and our our, our hopes and our dreams. There's actually so much more than what we can accomplish here in this life with the breath that we've been given in our lungs. And that's what Paul is going to lead us into today as we walk into our passage together. If you were with us last week, you'll remember this. But just to set some context for where we're at, Paul has really just kind of talked through his resume before he knew Jesus of of what he had accomplished from his perspective. And for Paul, uh, he was a Roman citizen, but he was uh, Jewish. And for Paul, he had a resume that looked very Jewish. It looked like a lot of accomplishments uh, for what it was, uh, what it would have been like for a Jewish person to pursue religious achievement. He talked about being born an Israelite, being circumcised on the eighth day, being of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, having been educated as a Pharisee, zealous for the law. He had attained uh, just from from an outside perspective, this air of perfection of adherence to the law. And he was so passionate and zealous for the law that when Jesus actually came and lived and died and resurrected, he viewed Jesus as a threat to God's ways or, or the way that, that had been established under Judaism at that time. And he was so zealous for that way that he ended up persecuting followers of Jesus. That, that the first person who was martyred, Stephen, we, we see this in, in the early chapters of Acts, the first martyr, the first Christian to give their life for the sake of the gospel Saul or Paul was there at his uh, stoning when he was killed and Saul presided over the whole experience as a means by which to be zealous for his religion. And so Paul is kind of saying, hey, listen, there is a cultural perspective of what making it looks like from a Roman point of view. And you're all very familiar with that. But let me tell you about my point of view from a Jewish perspective, what making it looked like. And trust me, I had made it. Paul's saying, I, I reached the top of the ladder. I got to the top rung. I did it. I made it. But I found that when I met Jesus, all of the accomplishments that I had been heaping up for, themself, for, for myself was no more than rubbish, garbage. We know I had a lot of fun with this last week if you were with us, because it's more like dung or human excrement, or you can keep going. And, and the Greek is pretty explicit, right? That, it, that it's a heaping pile of stuff that you don't want to heap up. And Paul is saying, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, all of my accomplishments are as nothing. And that's the context that we step into as we walk into our passage Today, so I want you to grab your Bibles. We're going to go to Philippians chapter three together and we're going to, we can do this. Uh, We are going to go to Philippians chapter three together. If you drop your Bibles, there's grace here, right? All right. We just sang, there's grace to spare for all my mistakes. Oh man. So Philippians chapter three, starting in verse 12 together, So Paul has just talked about all of these accomplishments and that those accomplishments compared to knowing Jesus are rubbish and not worth pursuing after. And then in verse 10, he says that I may know Jesus. He he kind of gives us what he's really looking for, what, what he's actually pursuing. He says that I may know to Jesus him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that I may by any means possible attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying my aim in this life, it used to be my own accomplishments and my own achievements, but my aim in this life is now knowing Jesus, my Lord. And what knowing Jesus, my Lord looks like is that I'm gonna share in his sufferings. I'm going to become more like him in his death. And in that journey of, of sharing with him on, on this planet, his sufferings that he struggled through, that I am I'm tasting a, a little bit of those as I follow after Jesus. And I live in a culture that is not uh, p- pointing people towards following Jesus. As I'm walking through the different sufferings and struggles that I walk through, that, that knowing Jesus becomes more real to me. And I experience the resurrection life that Jesus died to give me even while I'm here on what Renault affectionately calls planet death, right? And so Paul is saying that like my goal, my aim, my my whole purpose in life is to know Jesus and whatever that takes is gonna be worth it, worth it. So after saying that, he says, now, not that I've already obtained it all. I, I haven't already obtained this or, I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. There's some, so much beauty here, and so I'm going to stop. We're going key to, keying in on verse 12, Paul is just being humble and recognizing, like, I haven't arrived. <laughs> I thought I arrived in my former life when the pursuits were all about my accomplishments, But now that I recognize that my pursuit is about knowing Jesus, I recognize I haven't arrived. Did you know that we can spend lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime pursuing the knowledge of God, knowing Jesus more and more, and we will have only scratched the surface. There's nothing boring about knowing Jesus. He's a He's an unsearchable God that that we could live our whole lives getting to know revelation after revelation after revelation from his word and by his spirit through prayer and through worship. We can have revelation upon revelation upon revelation day in and day out, nonstop. We wouldn't stop to eat. We wouldn't stop to drink. We wouldn't stop to go to the bathroom. No college football games in the fall. Just knowing Jesus. That's what we're pursuing after. We're doing nothing else. And you know, we would not even scratch the surface. This life of following Jesus is not boring, folks. <laughs> There's so much to it. And even Paul, the apostle Paul, who, who was blinded by Jesus on the road to Damascus, who Jesus used him in great and mighty ways throughout his ministry, that they, Jesus used Paul to spread the good news of who he is to the entire Roman world, to the, to the Gentiles, did did Paul know Jesus? Yes. Front row, gold star. Did did Paul know Jesus? Yes. But did he fully know Jesus? No, there's always more. And I love the picture that we get from John in Revelation of the angels, the the living creatures that circle the throne and cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they repeat that refrain over and over and over again. And in my mind, I'm thinking about, well, wow, wouldn't that get boring? Except for if you're constantly viewing and experiencing and encountering the infinite, omnipotent God of the universe, moment by moment by moment. I doubt I could get that many words out. You know what I'm saying? And so Paul is saying, I haven't already obtained, I'm not there yet. I wanna know Jesus, but I wanna know him more. And and he continues, he said, I haven't already obtained this and I'm not already perfect. And so he's kind of giving us these two dynamics of part of this is knowing Jesus. And another part of this is becoming like Jesus is growing in our knowledge of him, but also growing in the way that we reflect him to the world, the way that that, that we become more like our Lord. And Paul is saying, like, I still have a ways to go. I haven't arrived. I have not been made perfect yet. But I love this. Next, he gives us the reason why he's after this pursuit He's saying, I'm not already perfect. And you might even think before he gets to the reason that the reason's gonna be something like I'm pursuing after Jesus so that I'll get to salvation. I'll get to heaven. I'll get eternal life. I'll earn something from Jesus. But you see, that's not Christianity, (laughs) That's not the gospel. That's every other religion. Every other religion says, you work really, really hard to become good enough so that the deity will accept you and do your bidding. That is every other false religion that is presented to to the human race. But Paul says, the reason I pursue Jesus, you ready for this? I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Like we pursued Jesus because he already pursued you. He already pursued me. That that Jesus before the foundation of the world chose that while we were yet sinners, that he would come after us, that he would pursue us, that Jesus, the God of the universe, the second person of the Trinity would take on human flesh to dwell among us and live a sinless life, dying a criminal's death, absorbing the wrath of God on our behalf so that he who became sin, he who knew no sin became sin so that what? We would become the righteousness of God. And so Jesus has come to save us. He's sought and saved the lost, you and I who were lost. And we press on to make him our own because... He has made us his own. You know, in our cultural climate, our, our cultural context, so often human beings are presented as just really no more valuable than anything else on earth, any other animal or anything like that. We're just a product of random chance that there's no uh, uh, God that's intervening or that there's no creator that, that has given us dignity or value or worth and so many people walk around with hopelessness of why am i living this life why am i here on planet earth people who struggle with maybe depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts maybe some of us in here struggle with those things and i want you to hear today that that your value has been determined by the god who created you and that when you rebelled against him he didn't discard you as a worthless creation but he pursued you to make you his own. Did you know that the value of an item is not determined by the seller? The value of an item is determined by the buyer. And Jesus determined your and my value at the price of his precious blood. And so Paul is saying, I'm pressing on to make Jesus my own because he already made me his own. And so he gives us this motivation for running after Jesus. It's not for religious accomplishment. It's not to check a box. It's It's not so that God will not be mad at you if you miss church or you forget to read your Bible or you struggle to pray. It's not any of those things. Paul's saying, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now he uses these words, press on, because baked into this reality is that it's not easy. (laughs) It's difficult to pursue Jesus. We live in a world where the, the current is moving against following Jesus. That if we just stand neutral, The current will sweep us away from Jesus. And so pursuing after Jesus is an up-current pursuit. And Paul says, I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And he continues, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Again, I haven't arrived, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and pressing forward to what is ahead I forget what is behind and press forward to what is ahead. Why? Because as you pursue Jesus, as you press on, as you begin to run the race that is pursuing after Jesus, if you're looking backwards the whole time, that's not gonna go very well for you, is it? And Paul had some things in his past that he was definitely ashamed of. In fact, Paul writes in, in elsewhere in the New Testament, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst of the worst. I mean, before he knew Jesus, what was he doing? He was killing Christians, imprisoning Christians. He was an enemy of the gospel, an enemy of Christ. But he says in this moment, as I press on to Jesus, I've got to forget what's behind and press on towards what is ahead. And here in this space, I know, you know, as, as hundreds of us walk into one room together, I cannot fathom the amount of regret that we collectively have for things that we've done in our past. Just just think about that for a moment. For however many many people are here and however many years we've lived, we cannot fathom the amount of collective regret and shame that could so easily be living in this room together. I, I know my regret. I look back on my former life before Christ Ashamed. And what Paul says is, I've got to forget what is behind. And what he's saying to you and to me and to the Philippian church is that our past does not define us, but that our future in Jesus, our present with Jesus, is what defines us. He says, One thing I do of forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, Paul's saying there's there's this goal and there's this prize. And it looks like knowing Jesus, and it looks like living this life for him and for his glory. That is my goal. That is my life. That's what I'm pressing on for. And in order to press on towards that, I can't be running like this because I don't know what I'm gonna bump into. I, know what, I don't know what obstacles I'm gonna face. I have to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Just as Eric read as we were worshiping this morning, that the author of Hebrews says that we have this race that's marked out for us and we've got to cast aside all the things that weigh us down and the things that entangle us. And what do we have to do? We have to fix our eyes on who? on Jesus, because he's the author and he's the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. And he has run the race before we run it. Just just think about that for a moment. You and I were living in, you know, 2000 years after Jesus came, lived, died and resurrected. And the eyewitnesses wrote down things about his life so that we can look to Jesus and say, oh, that's what it means to run the race. And Paul is saying, We've got to press on towards this goal, this upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's not something that we just try really, really, really hard at for like a few days and then throw in the towel. But it's something that, carried along by the Holy Spirit who lives inside us when we put our trust and faith in Jesus, that the spirit within us is drawing us to Christ every single day. The spirit within us is growing us in Christ every single day. The spirit within us is leading us and guiding us into all truth as we open up God's word. The spirit within us is empowering us to know God and to do ministry for God, to, to, preach and share the gospel with our words and and our actions the spirit within us is carrying along our feeble bodies our feeble reality as human beings who are in and of ourselves incapable of doing this life the god of the universe who has already run the race sent us his spirit our paraclete the greek is our helper to help us run the race that is marked out for us. It is not about us being able to run fast, run hard and win the prize. It's about the spirit of God working within us, drawing us nearer to Jesus and towards our upward call of God in Christ. I love that word, upward call. That God's not calling us anywhere but up. He's drawing us towards himself. He's drawing us nearer to himself. Ultimately, our future is going to be found in him for all of eternity in heaven. If our faith is placed in Jesus for salvation, the call of God on our lives is an upward call. And Paul gives us this visual of this race so that we will recognize that every single day that we live on this planet is an opportunity to move one step closer to the goal. But that every day that you live, this life matters. It's valuable. For for those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time, maybe you're here and maybe you're a little bit older and you've, you've kind of gotten to that stage of retirement Can I just speak to you for a moment, folks in this room that have gray hair on your head? Mine's mostly in my beard right now. Got a little bit on the sides, but for those of you who are here and you've kind of, you're towards the tail end of life, can I just tell you, your life matters. Every day you live matters. You keep pursuing Jesus. You keep running after him. And if you're here today and you're very young, and you've got your whole life ahead of you, and you don't know what you wanna be when you grow up, right? Just know that your life matters, and it doesn't matter as much whether you become a doctor, lawyer, nurse, you work at a fast food restaurant, you're a, a, a landlord. It doesn't really matter what you do with your life as much as it matters who you do this life for. And if you're somewhere in the middle, listen, our lives have the opportunity to count for Jesus for eternity. David said, "Teach me, O God, to number my days that my life is a vapor of smoke." Here in a moment and gone just as quickly. Think about our lifespan in the context of eternity. It's not even a blip on the radar. And yet it matters. And so what we're left with is this tension that life matters and it's short. And yet it's a marathon. All that stuff going on all at the same time. And Paul is saying, listen, we've got to press on. I'm pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. This is a race that I'm running and the finish line is Jesus the finish line is eternity with Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter nine verses 24 through 26, he says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize. There's no participation awards here. Do you know that All the race, in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives a prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. They, They do it to receive something that's gonna perish, a prize, a medal, a wreath that's gonna perish, but we, an imperishable wreath. He says, so I do not run aimlessly. I don't box at one beat of the air. And Paul is kind of mixing these these athletic illustrations into saying, listen, when we are pursuing Jesus, we got to run this race in a manner that is going to lead us getting to the finish line and winning the prize. His point is not to say that we're comparing ourselves to the other runners. His point is to say that the manner in which we run this race Matters that this life of following Jesus isn't just about making a recognition in our hearts and our minds that Jesus is Lord and then living our lives the way we just would have always lived our, wives other, our lives otherwise until we die. That's not what the gospel calls us to. It's that when we recognize that Jesus is Lord, he's not only Lord of our salvation, but he's Lord of our lives, And he's inviting us to follow after him. And I don't know, you know, if you read the gospels, when Jesus is calling people to follow him, he's not like, hey, follow me. It's gonna be a bed of roses. You know, you'll have 2.3 kids, a picket fence and, you know, a Mercedes in the driveway. Jesus didn't say, come follow me. It'll be your best life now. He didn't say any of that. What did he say? If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And so Jesus is inviting us into this life that is not easy. And Paul is saying, as you're running this race, do so in such a way that reflects the reality that there is a prize worth winning at the end. (laughs) And can I tell you, church, can I, if I had a mirror, I would tell me this right now. I may podcast this just to hear me say it. The prize at the end is worth it. It's worth it. Knowing Jesus for eternity is worth it. But being in eternity with Jesus at the that that feast, that marriage supper of the Lamb, where we're all gathered around this table like one big family, and we're celebrating Jesus and His life and death and resurrection and his return, and and we're experiencing this new creation that he's going to unfold before us, and he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and he's going to be at the center of the city, and we're going to live with him for eternity. Like, the prize is worth it. So run the race to win the prize. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. I used to run cross country in high school. I hated it. Hated it. Uh, We used to... Every day, we practiced at like 3 p.m. in the heat of the day. Like, why? Why? And there was this uh, one course that we would run, and everyone dreaded this course. And um, it's in Mount Dora, um, one of the very few mountainous places in Florida, you know? And at the very end of the course, there was this huge hill, huge for Florida, okay? Okay this huge hill that you would start to have to ascend up. And they called it Heartbreak Hill because you ran the hill just about the time where you were exhausted already. And if you got to the top of the hill, the rest of the race was just downhill to the finish line. It was great. But getting up that hill was so hard. And I remember running that race and everything in my body would say to me, quit, quit. It is not worth it. You're not going to get first place anyway. Like quit. You're not that athletic. Nobody cares what you do. You know, your team's not going to win anyway. All those things are true, you know. <laughs> but my body was saying like, no, I don't want to do this. It's not worth it. I, I, I would rather quit. I'd rather throw a towel. Instead of running up this hill, I'd rather just walk. I'd rather just sit down, lay down, get some Gatorade, uh, anything, but run this hill. And what Paul is saying is we got to press on towards the goal that God has called us upward in Christ Jesus. And yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, it's going to be difficult, but it is going to be worth it. Worth it. Worth it. Paul says, you know what? What this ends up looking like in our lives is that we, we press on, even in the midst of our difficulty. You know, James says it this way. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. And this life will be full of trial. This life will be full of difficulty. As Renaud calls this planet death, it, he says that for a reason, like we're not promised ease in this life, but blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. It's worth it to press on toward the goal because the crown of life that we receive, this eternal life that we receive, not by our works, not by our our efforts, but because Jesus has made us his own, We respond to Jesus and we pursue after Jesus and we run the race for Jesus because he is our prize. And at the end of life, this eternal life that we have is not just about like, oh, I'm gonna get a mansion in heaven someday and I'm gonna drink sweet tea on the porch in my rocking chair. No, no, that this crown of life that we're given is a life with Jesus, where we're gonna know Jesus more intimately than we've ever known him. And we're gonna spend eternity with him in this new heaven, in this new earth. And it will be full of purpose and beauty and wonder and awe. And we can't even fathom it all. Scripture gives us hints here and there. And it's more beautiful than our eyes can even envision. Our our mind's eye can even imagine And the crown that we get, we end up laying at the feet of Jesus anyway, because it is Him who is worthy of all blessing and honor and glory and power and wisdom and strength. It's Him, He is the prize. And, and I'm saying this to myself as much as I'm saying this to any of us. What is it in this life that you are chasing after that you find more valuable than him? And, and be honest with yourself. Joel, be honest with yourself. What do I look at in this life that I find more valuable than Jesus? Jesus. Because 100 years from now, I promise we will all have a very different perspective. So why not start today? And Paul kind of goes there next. He says this in verse 15 like, let those of us who are mature think this way. Like, let's have a mindset that is with the eternal perspective of this life that Jesus is inviting us into. If you're mature, you're gonna think about life with an eternal perspective. That's what Paul is saying. And he's saying, look, if any way you think otherwise, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. He's saying like, look, look, we don't immediately step into maturity or this, this eternal perspective right when we begin to follow Jesus or it, it, he's saying it's, it's just not natural to think about life this way. It's so much more natural for us to think about this life naturally. Right? What am I gonna do today? Is it trash day or recycling day? Who knows? You know? What's on my to-do list? Oh, the dishes are still in the sink, and oh, I gotta get the kids out the door. Oh man, my boss, I've got that stupid meeting today. Like that is what we deal with on a daily basis. But there's something more that transcends it all and informs recycling day, trash day, and our meetings with our boss what Paul is saying is as we mature, we begin to think with this mind that frames our temporary life, this life we live with an eternal perspective. And Paul says, and if you think otherwise, God's gonna reveal it to you in time. And then he says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. See, as Jesus makes himself more beautiful in our eyes, it, it creates in us a desire to pursue him more. As we pursue him more, we desire to pursue him more. As we pursue him more because we desire to pursue him more, because we started to pursue him when we saw the value of who he is, we start to become more like Jesus. As people encounter us and interact with us over time, we start to look more and more like Jesus. Now we may struggle in some new ways. We may, you know, it's not all up and to the right. Sometimes there's a little little bit of step to the left, step to the right. There's different parts of our journey. If you've ever read the book, Pilgrim's Progress, it's a beautiful picture of what that looks like. This journey of becoming more like Jesus, of maturing, of growing and holding to what we've attained. It's, it's a, it's a real journey. It's a real, it's a trip, you know, And yet what God is drawing us into is this beautiful picture of looking more and more like Jesus so that when we meet him face to face, that who we see will become very, very familiar to us. As we've pursued him all our lives, we're not gonna see a Jesus other than what we've known in our lifetime. We're gonna see the Jesus that we've known, but he's just gonna be so much more than we ever realized. And because of his work in our lives, we're gonna look more like him than we ever would have looked looked like apart from knowing him. And so today, wherever you sit in your faith journey, whether you're still kind of figuring out this whole Jesus thing, you're still trying to figure out what does the Bible say? You're still trying to kind of wrestle with a lot of those things. I wanna say welcome to the race to you. Join us We're pursuing after Jesus. If you're here and you're like, I'm not sure I know Jesus, we wanna invite you to know him. He's more glorious than you can imagine or than I can imagine. For those of us who've been following Jesus for a little little while, I wanna encourage you keep doing it. There may be some hard times ahead. It's okay, he's worth it. And for those of us who've been following Jesus for so long, we don't even remember the time that we didn't follow Jesus. I wanna say, don't, give up. Life is not over. Breathe in, breathe out and live to know Jesus and to make him known for his glory and for his fame. One day, a hundred years from now, we're all going to see him face to face. Let's live our lives today with that in mind. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word for the incredible beauty that is found in your word and the challenge it is to see you, Jesus, as more glorious than anything or anyone that we can ever imagine. God, I I recognize that it is so easy for me to get so caught up in the dailiness of life, so caught up in the to-do list, so caught up in the pursuits, so caught up in the desires, so caught up in what's next on the calendar, so caught up in the things I want to attain or gain in this life. And Jesus, you're calling me and you're calling all of us to recognize your value and your worth that far exceeds and surpasses anything we can see in this life, anything we can experience in this life. And we pray that you would help us to see it. This race that you've marked out for us, is worth running because you are at the end of it and that you are the prize. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that indwells us, our helper who helps us run towards you. I pray that by the spirit of God working within us, each one of us today would recognize what it may be that is distracting us or impairing us from following after you. And help us, Jesus, to lay those things down because you are of far more value and worth. And God, I pray if there is anyone that is here today that does not yet know you, Jesus, you would draw each person to yourself so that they would experience your salvation, join the race, and have you and an eternal life with you as the prize. We glorify you today. We honor you today. We thank you for who you are today, Jesus. And it is in your name that we pray.